Genesis 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered above the waters. And God said, Let there be light. Now skip all the way into the New Testament to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is speaking about Jesus' pre-incarnation existence. He was with God in the beginning. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. And the Word became flesh. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus' incarnation. And He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. A lot of people are really looking forward to Christmas this year, and life for them is going well. Their jobs are good. They're pretty secure. Kids are healthy, making good grades in school. Your blood pressure's down. Your cholesterol's low. It's been a good year for you, but not for everybody. Some wives have received word from their husbands, their companies eliminating their job by the end of this month. We had a gentleman from our church a couple of weeks ago whose home recently burned down. Then his wife died of cancer, and 10 days later, his job was eliminated by his company. You know, somebody has to make a decision to take a loved one off life support. And for these people, and a lot like them, it feels like their world has come crashing down and fallen apart around them. And they don't feel very much like celebrating Christmas. So for some, life is great. They're ready for Christmas. But some are struggling in relationships, wondering if the family's going to make it through the holidays or maybe even stay together the coming year. Some are still out of work or nervous they won't be able to keep their job. Some are facing major illnesses and wondering if it's the last Christmas they'll ever share together with the people they love. Some are battling with addictions and temptations, and the added stress of the holiday season makes it harder and harder for them to resist. And despite all the appearances of Christmas, the music and shopping, for some, deep down inside, their world is crashing down and falling apart, and they don't feel very much like celebrating Christmas. Well, 700 years before Mary and Joseph ever thought of going to Bethlehem, the world was crashing down, falling apart, and in deep darkness. And that's where we pick up the Christmas story that began at creation. The nation of Israel is now divided into two nations, Israel in the north, Judah in the south, with the capital Jerusalem. Armies from conquering nations have destroyed everybody, and now they formed an alliance to come and destroy Jerusalem and carry the people off into captivity. Ahaz, who is king in Judah, has turned away from God, and the situation looks helpless, hopeless, dark, and impossible, and the people are in great distress. Well, it's into that scene God sends the prophet Isaiah, who comes with a promise. Isaiah begins by describing, despite how terrible things may look, how dark it is, how hopeless the situation seems, he says in Isaiah 9, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Why? Here's the promise. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now notice to whom that promise is made. Everybody walking in darkness, people living in a land of the shadow of death, people who don't feel very much like celebrating Christmas. 
And that describes some of us, and maybe a lot more, if we were honest. People walking in darkness and people who need light. Because we live, don't you agree, in a pretty dark world. We live in a world full of violence and death, racism and bigotry, nations oppress people, war and poverty and hunger and terrorism. Gosh, it's part of everyday life for way too many. We live in a world where people steal, where people are unable to control their sexuality, a world where families are ripped apart and where abuse occurs on a daily basis. It's a world where people step on others to get ahead, career advancement. People lie to win their cases in court. They cheat on taxes, exams, and perhaps worst of all, each other. It's a world where people intimidate others, covet material things, where they're full of selfishness, pride, envy, bitterness, and lack of forgiveness. And the list goes on and on. We're a people living in a world of darkness, but the Christmas story promises that even in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. And then Isaiah goes on to describe what that light is going to look like. Verse 6, Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So notice Isaiah says this coming light, which is speaking of Jesus, will be first our Wonderful Counselor. I wonder how many in here are wrestling with a tough decision and you're not sure what to do. Do you need wisdom or wise counsel? Well, the promise is that this light, this Jesus, will be your counselor and provide you with his wisdom. And then Isaiah says he will be our mighty God. Anybody overwhelmed by life, no matter how hard you try or how hard you work, you don't seem to be making it in your own power? Well, God promises to provide you with His power. His power is limitless, mightier than we can imagine. In fact, His strength is made perfect in our pitiful weakness. Third, He says the promise is an everlasting Father. Do you feel like you're abandoned? Do you feel like you're alone this Christmas? A lot of people do. Maybe you're longing for acceptance, for love and mercy, to feel like you belong. Well, God says He wants you to be His child, His sons and daughters who are welcome into His family. And He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't care how you voted. He doesn't care where you came from, what mess you may be in, what nationality or race you're from. He loves the whole world and died for you. He wants you in His family. He's inclusive, not exclusive. The church is almost exclusive. We rate people by gender. We rate them by political affiliation. We rate them by race or by income or nationality. God doesn't do that. In fact, he blew up the whole system when he came. He tore it completely up. He said, all that you got out of a natural physical birth, you get into my family by a spiritual birth. So leave all that baggage at the door when you come into my presence and my people. Uh, we, we are one people born of one spirit, one faith. That's it. Okay. So we leave that divisive stuff at the door. And finally, we are promised a Prince of Peace. Peace in the Bible means fullness, satisfaction, coping power, optimism in spite of your circumstances. By the way, a believer in Christ ought to be the most positive, optimistic, and hopeful person on planet earth. We are never without hope. The God of all hope is our Savior, and I got hope no matter what. I, I'm telling you, it's never hopeless. You, if you're too old and 100, you can still have a baby. 
You know, if the river floods, God can open it. If you're out of food, God can send an unclean, unsaved bird to feed you. I mean, God can make a 90-year-old woman have a baby. Woo! <laughs> you, ever, you ever get a little picture, like a little video of what happened in the tent that night? I mean, God must have done something miraculous to a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old bag of bones to make them rejoice and laugh. And, and I've often thought about why would Abimelech want a 90-year-old woman for his harem unless God did a miracle of restoration somewhere in that tent? And what went in ain't what come out. I mean, that grandma was a hottie when she came out of that tent. That's all I know. That's God's rejuvenating power. Let's stand back and let's all get a little bit of that, right? That's our God. He's unlimited in His power and what He can do. Well, I wonder if that sounds like something you'd like this year. Maybe you are worried or afraid. Some of you are separated from others by barriers of anger, bitterness, or resentment. And the promise is that God's in the business of bringing peace to our broken lives, broken hearts, broken families. So wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And when you think about it, that's exactly what we all need. Those are things we hope for and long for and sometimes fear we're going to never find. Maybe you've been waiting a long time, maybe for acceptance, maybe to experience peace in your heart. You've been waiting for the dawning of the light that Isaiah promised. And some, well, you're waiting in darkness. You're waiting and hoping for the dawn. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalms 130, verse 6. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman waiting on the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. For He Himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Now the wait is over, because the Christmas story tells us the light of the world has stepped out into our darkness, our broken lives, with unfailing love and full redemption, so that all of our fears and all of our hopes can finally be met in Him. People snort it, inject it, eat it, blow it, drink it. They do anything to try to meet an unmet need, and it never satisfies. But all of our needs can be met and fulfilled in Him. And the good news of Christmas is that the light Isaiah promised is available to you and me right now. Peace on earth, that gift from heaven that restores the relationship between God and sinful man. Heaven's door is now wide open. We no longer have to fear death, judgment, condemnation, or darkness because Jesus Christ is born. I deserve death. I deserve judgment. Don't need to write me a letter. But Jesus took my place, took my judgment, and took my death so that I could receive His life, His righteousness, and His love forever. That means there's never any guilt, shame, or condemnation to a believer. You have to go to church for that. Yeah, anybody listening? Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's just amazing to me. You deserve it. Of course I deserve it, but He's my substitute. He took it for me. And it, it, it's a liberating feeling. You don't have to walk always feeling guilty and shameful about your past. 700 years before Isaiah makes this promise to people living in darkness and hopelessness, angels show up. Angels appear in the night to a bunch of shepherds with the news that that promise 700 years ago is now being fulfilled. 
700 years after promising that a light would dawn, that a son would be given, all of heaven is erupting in praise, and the earth itself echoes back with joy because that promise has finally arrived. 700 years go by, and suddenly the skies are filled with good news. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angels decree, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, Christ the Lord. The gospel means good news. Listen carefully. We've heard gospel so long, we think it's a religious word. It is not. It never was. It's a secular word. It was used in common language and news in biblical days. Anything that was good was called the gospel. If I told you that this morning until 2 p.m., you can buy gas at any station for 10 cents a gallon, although all of us have food waiting, we'd all go fill up, including me. You would say, that's the gospel. That's good news, right? If Neiman Marcus had everything in the store on sale for 25 bucks, they'd be packed today if they were open. You'd say, that's good news. Well, Jesus came to bring good news, not bad news. For all the guilty, all the, the wretched, those despised, those in darkness, those in shame, those in addiction, he said, hey, I'm bringing you some good news. I'm going to do what you could never do. Every other religion makes you do something. Christianity is not something you do, it's something you receive. It's a gift of eternal life. It's been paid for. It's been offered. You just have to receive it. If you pay anything, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. If you pay anything for it, it's not a gift, it's a purchase. But it's a gift. I couldn't pay it, he paid it in full, and he offered it to me. I told you several years ago, somebody gave me an expensive sports car. I couldn't afford it, couldn't buy it, wouldn't buy it probably, but somebody gave it to me. And I had a choice. A gift has been offered. A gift has been paid. I can say yes or no. Anybody want to guess what I said? Yes. I receive it. You can say, well, you don't deserve that. You could say what you want. I got the bill of sale. I got the title. It's in my name, and I didn't pay a dime for it. All I did was receive it. And that's what I've done with eternal life. That's what I've done with the gift of salvation. I hadn't deserved it on a day of my life. I hadn't bat a hundred once, and neither of you. But I just received it as a great gift. So a Savior has been born to you and me. And the, the question is, how are we going to respond to his birth? Look at what the shepherds did when they heard the good news. Verse 16, Luke chapter 2. They hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what he had told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. I love that last line, all who heard it were amazed. You know, a thousand times in history a baby has become a king, but only once in history has a king become a baby, and that's our Lord Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, amazing. We live in an amazing world full of mysteries and wonders I can't begin to comprehend. But I can't think of anything more amazing than the Christmas story, God becoming a man. Think about it, the world where people are broken, living in darkness, the God of the universe with unlimited, unimaginable power humbles himself, sets aside his royal deity, everything about him. He lays aside all those assets to be born a baby. 
And that baby grew up to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace that Isaiah promised 700 years before. It's an amazing story, but that story is not over. It's still being written. We tell that story wrong as though it's an event that only happened in distant past, and we forget that the light that came into the world 2,000 years ago continues to come into our darkness and broken lives to this day. And every Christmas, we get to help write the next chapter. We can continue the story just like the shepherds did by telling others the good news, not bad news, the good news. Invite them to a weekend service so we can introduce them to Jesus, not a new list of rules not some country club group, not some elite group, but to the good news of Jesus, period. Or you could read through the Christmas story for yourself. Or you could share the love and light and hope of Jesus into our world, into our city by participating, if you're a part of Summit, our outreach ministries, our caring for the homeless, our Church of Hope, our food pantry, giving needy food, our Eagle's Flight, encouraging special needs children, King's Compassion that serves the poor and the elderly, our wounded warriors serving families of wounded warriors, our Kids Hope USA, a mentoring program for our, all of the almost school children. We buy all their products every year for I think 11 years. We buy all their school supplies and their lunches for a full year for every student in that school and then provide mentoring for them as well. And we do it in the love and in the name of our Lord Jesus and we do it at Summit Christian Center. What are we doing? Sharing good news. And then the Watoto Orphanages in Uganda sponsored by Cindy's Chosen Women's Conference every year reaching out, serving, and giving, sharing Christ's love with somebody else is a great way to continue the story. Or it could be that this Christmas, you get to write the best chapter of all by preparing room in your heart for the light of the world, for Jesus Christ. And every Christmas, that Christ child spiritually is born again. Every Christmas, another heart hears that great Christmas story, understands love, and believes what Isaiah promised 700 years ago and that the angels sang. God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son, that believing in Him you should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn you, but through Him you might be saved. And that, in essence, is the simplicity of the Christmas story. And through the story, and though it's been told for 2,000 years, today these words are spoken directly to me and to you. That is the Christmas story. It's God breaking into our broken, dark lives to fulfill the promise and offer the greatest gift ever imagined in this earth, the gift of light and love and everlasting life. To God be the glory. Amen. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.